1 John 5.20, it uh, says, and we know, don't you like that? We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. He gave us that. So that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Isn't that a blessing? And that's, of course, that's that's where we are at. Um, and you have to think of, of Romans one. Now, that's that's to the Christian, that's to the believer. And of course, it's really God who reveals it. He gives us understanding. He gives us the knowledge of Him and and His truth. But you know, you, you go to uh, Romans one verse eighteen, and even to the unbeliever. God has shown Himself. Everybody's so familiar with these these verses. I, you know, we don't try to convince ourselves here. You know, it's like they say, preaching to the choir. There's nothing in that. But if this can solidify our efforts in explaining to people who are becoming more and more in number who are professing atheists or agnostics than I've ever seen in my lifetime. It just keeps growing. And uh, here in Romans 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. They have the evidence. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. And so it is for the believer knowing who Christ is and the unbeliever knowing that there is a Creator God who gave them life. Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. Thank You for revealing through your creation, general knowledge that you caused this creation. And to us as Christians, you've given us new life. Not just life to be born and live physically here, but to be spiritual new creations who can know you. And for eternity, Lord, that's what we will do. Thank you for this time. May you give us answers through Your Word and be better prepared, that we'd be prepared to give this answer for the reasons that we believe. For Lord, we run into these individuals constantly. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're, uh, we've been looking at objections and kind of going over maybe some of the same things. I want to get this stuff rock solid in my head. You know, because you, you can think of all these things, and when, when you're talking to somebody, all of a sudden it's just like certain things just kind of drop loose and go, oh, uh, uh, you know, you ever been there? You know, I have many times. Um, their objection, first of all, is you have no proof, right? There is no proof. If there's a God, where where's the proof? Um, of course, we, we looked at the evidence that was given in Romans 1, but uh, we don't always have the chance to start with the Bible, we, we want to go there, we want to get to that point uh, with them, um, because 
they have a problem with that. If they don't believe there's a God, they certainly don't believe there's a Bible. But uh, they say the proof is lacking. That's their argument. Uh, it's not possible for any logical reasons for God's existence. And they'll say this because God is a matter of faith. And faith is the opposite of reason. Has anybody ever heard that? Yeah, anybody can have faith, but it's, it's totally different than reason. It's, it's opposite. Um, and of course, that's going to be one of the faulty arguments that we'll, we'll look at that. They're called, we'll call them the prosecutors, and we're the defense as we, uh, let's say, would take this to court. Uh, I think they make a, a huge blunder in this thought. They have these two faulty arguments, and I'll start with the second one first. That's faith. Um, then we'll, we'll come back to uh, the, the first one, though. Uh, the prosecution has a total misunderstanding or an incorrect definition of faith, right? Because they're saying faith is the opposite of what? Reason. That is further from the truth. Faith is based upon uh, reasons. Um, so they mistakenly define faith as belief without evidence. They say we don't have any evidence, and we'll, we'll get to that. We're going to show that uh, there is evidence. We have evidence. Um, faith is close to trust, right? Faith and trust are like this. Matter of fact, sometimes they mean the same thing, but... Um, Trust is based on certain acquired facts that we have. Um, if you trust in a bank, it's because maybe you've checked this bank out. It's, it's got a good history. This is where I trust them to handle my money. When I go there, I can trust them to give me my money uh, that, uh, that I worked for, right? You mean like trust is earned? Yeah, in, in that sense, because there's something that they have done that we believe that I, I can follow through. So they have done things to prove that it's right. And so therefore, there's, there's some kind of evidence that's there. We're not going to go blindly and do that. So even right there, just using it in that just analogy, anytime we trust anything, of course, everybody uses like, what, chair as, as faith or trust. We sit on that. We're trusting that it's going to hold us up. Now, we don't ask that when we sit down. But we've sat there before, we've sat on these chairs, and we know that it's not going to collapse. I'm going to continue to, to sit here. I, but I trust in that, but it, it's, it's based on something that we know that, hey, I'm going to take a chance here. <laughs> uh, we know it's going to come through. So, um, I trust my wife, not because I don't have any evidence. Matter of fact, it is... Opposite. It, it's precisely because I do. Uh, I trust my wife because I do have evidence. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, no one puts their faith in anything without some kind of reason for doing so. So they will use that. The, the prosecution will use that against us that faith and reason are uh, absolutely at odds with each other. And that is very faulty, isn't it? So let's go to the first argument, and that be proof. Say so we don't have any proof. Their first blunder is that they uh, used an inadequate understanding of what proof is. 
what they use for proof is they assume this, that the only valid kind of proof is something that is mathematical or scientific. You know, thinking in the physical realm, right? Um, but is this statement true? That's what our defense would, would, would be asking. Is that statement true? We know a thing about faith, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We may not see it, but yet there's evidence there. And so, and now we come to the proof. Okay, if you think of science, you think of test tubes, right? You think where they, they, they test these things out. Uh, a test tube can be used to, pr- uh, to prove that there are certain things that are, are true. Um, you can't prove all things through a test tube, though, can you? You can't prove all things scientifically. Or, let's say, mathematically. Um, mathematics can prove some things, a few things. But mathematics can't prove a lot of things, can it? So, uh, the defense is on, and there's a guy by the name of John Lennox, a professor. He says, I cannot mathematically prove to you that my wife loves me. I can't mathematically or scientifically prove that she loves me. But he went on to say, but for and in our case, for 38 years of marriage, I would bank my whole life on it that she loves me. So there's evidence that I have, that I've gleaned over years and years and years and years, and I know she loves me. But can I do it with a test tube? Can I do it scientifically? No. Can I do it mathematically? (laughs) Absolutely not. Unless you want to count the years. (laughs) Add the years up. So, what, what we have here is a faulty view of what proof is and a faulty view and definition of what faith is. Because they're using those as logical arguments against us. And those would be main arguments coming from some of the elite and guys like uh, this Anthony Flew, what he used to be. You know, he would use the argument of, of uh, we don't have proof, and because we have faith, we don't have any evidence. But that, that's a horrible prosecution because we're just going to turn that to shreds here in a moment. So if you've ever heard that before, and I'm sure we've all somewhere along the line have heard somebody say that, even in a, whether it be a debate or personally. But probably personally. Probably talk to, talk to people like that. Um, there's a, there are claims in Christianity and belief in God and theism. They're claims that do require evidence. I mean, these claims are bold. And, of course, Jesus made one of the boldest ones, you know, claiming that He's God and He's going to prove it by resurrecting. Those are huge claims. Of course, there is evidence to, to point that He be true. There are historical claims. What are historical claims based on? Well, eyewitness accounts, right? Those work well uh, for evidence. How about, um, let's say, distance. Distance claims about how far something is from something. Well, let's break it down into really something small. Uh, Distance claims can be 
validated well, with a tape measure, a yardstick, right? We can validate with that. that, that that's something uh, very objective. So those, those are claims there. And even spiritual things can be uh, claimed. Now, you get into people making claims. It doesn't make it true. Uh, they have um, testimony. They have a witness, uh, experience, uh, a burning in the bosom, as the Mormons say. But those count in Christianity too. But, of course, we wouldn't want to probably start with that with somebody who's an unbeliever. But sometimes it, 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 it is good to say, well, this is simply what, what God did for me. And if they knew what you were before and how you changed, it sometimes just a simple testimony like that can change people too, though. They don't always need the scientific evidence and such, but um, there are arguments for God and there are certain means to validate those claims. So we ask the question, then, can we prove God? Um, and uh, that's what the judge would be saying here in, in court, the judge not being God. But, um, um, but so some people would say what's well, entirely a matter of faith. Romans 10.17, we've used this many times. Of course, this is to the Christian, I know. And we never back down from using Scripture anyway. Because it's really the backbone of everything we believe and who we are. Yeah. And of course, that's what this verse here is about. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. That, that's evident. We hear it. We check it out. We examine it. And we say, that's true. That is, that is it's something that you heard, something that is truth. Truth is only truth if it's objective truth. And of course, Jesus said in John 17, Thy word is truth, right? So, you tell that to them, say, well, here's the truth and this is proof, and it's still yet it's not going to get anywhere, is it? Uh, so what's the evidence? The, the evidence that a Richard Dawkins would be asking, or a Christopher Hitchens. Uh, how about Sam Harris? You know, those are the big writers of atheism. Um, and this is what we kind of touched on last week. Let's go for the evidence. This is a great one to start with. And it would be, and we looked at this, like I said last week, everything has a cause, right? Everything. Anything that has been made by somebody, that's, that's the thing. It was made by somebody. And we would never, we would always realize that this building here, people made that. You know, the fans, somebody put that up there. Somebody made that. Lights, I mean, everything you can think of. And so, everything has a cause. I, and I like Hebrews 3 4 on this. This is kind of interesting. It's the context is a little bit different what it's saying, but there there's truth to this uh, idea here, this thought. He's talking about the, the the house and the house of God, and of course you think of the the builder of the house, and, and of course he's bringing in Moses. But in verse four he says, "For every house is built by." Someone, but the builder of all things is God. 
So there we go. Every house, somebody is going to build a house. Nobody, do you think anybody would ever disagree with that? That houses have to be built by people. They just can't accidentally just appear, right? And we know that. Anybody that would say anything different would be considered to be a lunatic. But, and that's for anything. Anything that's in this building, outside, all over the world, everybody would agree, uh, even our Dawkins and Sam Harris and such. Um, so it'd be illogical to say that anything and everything come from no cause at all, right? And this is where the theory of evolution then becomes inadequate. And this is where this guy by the name of Flu started looking at this, uh, and it was, you know, it cannot explain how anything began, right? Evolution, let alone life. You know, we're talking about uh, inanimate objects, and all of a sudden we talk about life. And so that's what he had he had looked in. There, there has to be something or someone that caused life. But how could an inanimate object or whatever it be, some gas, create a creator? Well, right? created the inanimate object. Exa- there we go right there. Exactly. It has to have a cause, right? Of course, this is where you get into the eternal God. He was never caused, right? I mean, He's always been here. There must be someone who has always existed. That's the only way that we can come to this conclusion here. So, everything has a cause. Anything that's built has a cause. That's one of the evidences that we have that (laughs) they have to agree with. The second one goes right along with it. We looked at this last week too. But these are good words to um, keep in mind. Um, design. Not only is there a cause, there is a design. These things, you know, we've, we've heard, we've seen all the videos and everything, but it, it kind of keeps in mind. If you can think of, okay, our evidence, C, cause. D, design, right? Um, because they're really going to have to grasp for straws to argue against cause, aren't they? They're going to have to grasp for straws on on design. And we read the Romans 1, 18 through 20, where God made it clear and made it evident. And this um, this uh, this Anthony Anthony flew. He says he said this: the argument from design is more powerful with every advance of humankind knowledge of the integrated complexity. What he's saying there is the more technology that is brought out, all the advance that humans come up with, um, the, the complexity shows out even more than ever before. And that's why he, he couldn't, couldn't deny the fact. And it was this unraveling. This is interesting. This um, human genome code was announced to the world as the discovery of the language of the Creator by a, it was by then a president of all people 
President Clinton. Let me read that again. Genome code was announced to the world as the, and he said this, the discovery of the language of the Creator. Of course, he, he proclaimed to be a Christian, yeah, Bill Clinton. And, of course, we know that that's another story. He, he, he would say that there is a God. You know. But the, uh, that's fascinating that uh, there it is being announced to the world in, in that sense. The language of the Creator. Uh, probably got those words from a scientist, probably. But um, this is extremely sophisticated, complex, this genetic language that uh, is in DNA. And to believe that this, uh, I guess you could say, apparent design would happen randomly, uh, some kind of accident, a, a chance, the mathematical equation to this would be you wouldn't have enough room on the walls to put enough zeros up there. Uh, it would be thousands of trillions of zeros for that language to come out as some kind of random or chance. And so this is where one of the top atheists ever had to change his mind. I think that's good to mention to atheists. I'm sure they, uh, if they know anything about atheism, they probably heard of his name. So you take design, and you take, let's say, and we've all heard this, the earth is just the right distance, right, from the sun. can't be any closer, it can't be any further away. We wouldn't live. It has just the right mixtures of chemicals, elements, gases, to sustain life like no other place does. Uh, it has just the right, uh, humans have just the right ability to be able to breathe in these gases. The human body has just the right synergy of internal organs that function. And our life can only happen if there are at least 1,200 categories of just right precision in place all at the same time. All of those have to be at the same time. Um, that shows you how ridiculous their belief in uh, as far as the, well, the, their Big Bang, I guess. 1,200 categories of just right precision in place simultaneously. Well, that's where, like all these chances that we've been talking about, it is uh, like for the earth being where it's at placed as far as the sun or the moon or uh, our bodies being able to live here. Um, the planet size, mass, location, uh, the other planets that are out there. The, um, uh, the matter of fact, let's take that a little bit further. Let's take our solar system in, compared to the galaxy. Everything is placed in its right way, or we would everything would cease to exist. I mean, God has everything. He he hangs it out there, and then. It's amazing, you know, the, the tilt, the axis, the rotation. You think Those are just basic scientific things. If you remember, you reach back in your days in school, whether it be college or high school. In the body, precision of 
1,200 different things within the body, and probably a lot more than that just within the body for it to Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> just right, you know, your heart has to beat at just the right time, and your vessels have to open up to accommodate the blood flow, and certain hormones and chemicals have to work at the right time to cause this to happen and that to happen. I bet there's probably thousands and thousands of those that have to... Have you been able to, or are the, have you ever gotten as far as where you could even say those things to, to people who say they don't believe in God? Just those things. How can they deny that? Yeah. Um, the appearance. Now, now, an atheist would say that there is appearance of design in the universe. Yeah. They will say there is an appearance. And that's, that is not disputed among the scientific realm. It's not disputed at all. Come on, aliens. <clears throat> aliens designed it. <laughs> really, they believe that. They really do. And so who's the alien, right? did that thing on a Tuesday night. It was like three weeks, and the third week he had the picture of the brain up there and was talking about mm. all the different hormones yeah. and stuff that were released. I mean, and just to think of that. Oh. You know, and that's just the brain and the different hormones. That's not... And this is using science. Yeah. And they say we don't use science. Yeah. This is tremendous evidence. Yeah. So we, we're talking about cause and we're talking about design. Just those two words right there are good to bring out. Because if you start feeling stumped, say, oh, I don't know what to bring forth. Think of cause. Think of design. Those are simple. And all of a sudden these things will... And you can just name a couple or three things. I mean, you, know, you don't have to do 1,200. But the reason I said that, Charles Darwin said this. He says, natural selection is supposed to proceed by undirected, just by accident, small modifications, small changes, one bit at a time. But what we've just looked at is all of these things have to come together simultaneously, these 1,200 plus, for, for it to happen. And so he says... It has to be one bit at a time, but the living cell has turned out to be a maze of, of course, we, what we're saying is it's molecular machines. And he says for his theory to work out, it has to be you know one at a time, and of course that takes you know, billions, billions of years, but scientifically they know that this is was simultaneously. There, there it is right there, the... Um, they, 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 straight, they have to be present at once. See, if you have wrong dating, then you can extend it out. Right. Didn't Darwin end up refuting his own theory at the end? Well, that's what I have heard. That he was coming to conclusions that he had doubts of what he was saying. And, of course, one of those could be that right there. And, of course, I think he even made a statement about fossils. Anyway... Um, or the, that, of course, uh, or the, the 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 missing link. You know, I can't ever find that. He has problems. Well, there's another one um, showing the evidence. Cause, design. How about morality? Of course, we've touched on this. Um, how do we know what's evil? How do we know what's good? How 
Of course, today we know it's still kind of floating around, you know, but things that are evil are, are real easy to detect, right? Um, each of us, everybody that's born has some kind of sense of morality, you know, rights and wrongs, and a little baby knows whenever the parents tell them not to do something, they go ahead and do it. They, they know that they're, they go hiding or something, you know? You know, I mean, even a, a one-year-old, even earlier than that, right? Mm-hmm. Six months? How about three months? <laughs> pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and it's interesting that you can go, no matter what time, no matter what culture, no matter what kind of geographic location or people, that same moral thought, that law, that basic law is there over all of the time of mankind. No matter where they're from, what language they speak, it's universally acknowledged. And so there is, it's like, where did that come from? How can that be if we're just accidents? So, and we're only going to use those three as evidence, but people say we have no evidence. Do we have evidence? And, of course, the Scripture is really the biggest one. You know, I mean, really. But they don't want to hear about that because we'll get into that in a moment. But how do we know then? Okay. Let's say somebody comes to the knowledge like this this guy, Anthony Flute. Didn't come out to be a Christian as far as I know. But he did come to the point that there was intelligent design. And at least have to commend him on that. He's fair, he's honest. All scientists should go to that point. At least there, right? But there are people who are spiritual, who are in different religions than Christianity, who would say, yeah, we believe in a creator, a designer, in some sense. How do we know that the God of the Christians is the creator? That this evidence points to. See, this this guy never came to Christianity. But, okay, we have the evidence that continues on even further, but there is sufficient evidence now, isn't there? If we were in court, if they would allow us to be able to get this far, wouldn't you say, and I know this is easy, you know, um, we're sitting here and we don't have uh, an argument coming from another side here. So it's great because we're going to win every time. But just looking at it logical, wouldn't you say that there's there's a case here? I mean, yeah, cause, design, uh, they would at least say, yeah, it, it looks like that. Um, how do we know? Well, there's a beginning cause. The beginning cause means it has to come outside of time and space. Because there, wa- there wasn't time, there, w- there wasn't space, and all of a sudden something's created. So something has to come from out there. Look at Hebrews 7.26. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Exalted above the heavens. He, he's outside of this universe, isn't he? he, and, he and he's holy, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, he, he's eternal. 
and He dwells above, above the heavens. God is outside of time and space. So, okay, how does this affect other religions? Uh, let's take uh, Buddhism. Oh, did you have a hand up? Just Go ahead, very, I'm sorry. The very first I didn't verse know. in Genesis, in the beginning, time, God created, so there's energy, uh, let's see, in the beginning God created heavens, space, mm-hmm. and the earth, matter. Mm-hmm. You got, you got it all in the very first verse. In one verse. And, that, and if you look at EMC squared, the... Ah. <laughs> It's all, yeah, the first verse covers it all. Isn't that incredible? If you had no other verse. Just the first time, that's what started there. Yeah, exactly. So him being outside of that, but yet then coming in and then creating that and showing that um, there, there now is time and, and space, there's matter. Yeah. So, Muslim. how about Buddhism? Buddhism claims... gods, you can be God, or what have you. Hinduism, of course, definitely multiple gods there. And so there are two major religions, and really God doesn't come outside the universe in this. It's like He's inside. And of course, God is you and millions of others in Hinduism. Um, billions of gods, I guess. So when you look at pantheism, what what what's happening here? Uh, we just dismissed them because even scientists would say this. You know, if they're in, in of intelligent design, would say this comes outside of this universe. It wasn't here, and then it came into being, or it exploded, right? So we can dismiss them. And that takes in millions of people right there, no doubt. Uh, Pantheism is a part of time and space. And you are God, I am God, and we're all in this together. (laughs) You need to discover that you are God. You need to discover that you don't sin. (laughs) Um, So, within time and space... You have moral morality evils, right? You have corruption, you have decay. You don't have it outside the universe where God is at because He's holy, He's immutable, He's impeccable, He has never sinned, He's perfect. And so what we need to do is exclude some other religions. This is why, how do we know? Because some of these people would say, yeah, we believe in God. We have a lot of gods. Well, we have one God. Um, how about Islam? And a lot of the other Eastern religions would fit right in with these guys right here. They'd be so close. It's about finding yourself as God. That's really what it is. Islam believes in one God. Mormonism believes in many gods. Matter of fact, you, too, can become God. Only men, though. Oh, is that the way it is? <laughs> Only men. So, the deal with them is, you see, they don't have an ultimate, holy, immutable 
uh, Mormonism doesn't believe in an immutable God. God changes. As we are, He once was. And the way He is now, we will become. That's Mormonism. And we'll inherit our own planet and populate that planet. Um, so we can shake that right off there uh, as far as the attributes of God, holy, uh, immutable, uh, impeccable. Um, and, and that's the same thing with uh, Islam. Uh, they don't see him as we would see him as a holy God and uh, impeccable. Yes? Yes, I got a little bit behind when you were talking about the Buddhism and Hinduism. Would you mind repeating that? Uh, Buddhism and Hinduism would be really relegated to not outside this creation. It's really inside, um, within time and space. Okay. Whereas uh, the Christian Bible presents God being outside of time, space, and matter. He is before. He's eternal, right? And that—that's the whole key there. So, um, and that's where the Hebrews seven twenty six came in. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, we read that, right? I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank okay. You. So that. Pretty well takes, and of course, Judaism actually they 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 have the Bible, they have the Old Testament, and and any Jew if they're really Jewish and they believe in the Bible, they believe they believe in God. There's a lot of Jews that don't believe in the Bible, but uh, you can be Jewish and and not believe in the Messiah. You can be Jewish and believe in the Messiah. So, but that takes in a lot of a uh, lot of religions there, and they most of them could fit right in there. Well comes down to the Bible then because the God, the God of the Bible is the one who is outside of time, space, and matter. The Bible is claimed to be by people who don't believe in it uh, like a contradictory. It's considered to be a joke. Uh, somebody might have even said that to you. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's fictional. It's, it's all fabricated. Um, and it has some stories that are pretty amazing. You have a, a talking donkey. You have a, a whale that uh, swallows a man and then he comes out uh, alive. And you have um, man being made from dust. Uh, you have snakes talking. Uh, snake talking, as you could say. Uh, people flood. rising from the dead. But that whole flood and the whole earth thing, we know that didn't Yeah, <laughs> the flood. Myths, fables, Right? And they might point some of those things out to us. What's that? Parting the sea. <laughs> That's right. There's another one. You can go on and on, can't we? There are some remarkable stories in here that would be unbelievable if you don't know God. But And then they will say this. The Bible contains over 50,000 errors in it. I just made that number up. Yeah. <laughs> it has all sorts of errors. Can you show me one? Can we show me a couple? You know, one? Just They usually can't even do that. They don't even know what it is. But if they can, and some of them are pretty sharp, they'll point out some. there are difficulties in the Bible. And there's a book, I think, by Gleason Archer that has uh, the, the difficulties in the Bible. But you know, when you have right interpretation and you're able to explain those with other text and with um, the language, the way that it's presented, uh, then it those difficulties can be solved. 
we can understand that. Uh, so, what about it? How's the Christian answer? Well, the Old Testament of the Bible um, was written when, let's say, from 1500 B.C. to close to 400 B.C., right? And, of course, a lot of people say, well, you know, it was all written uh, like 400 years after Christ. Well, we know better than that because the Old Testament was already there before the Jewish people would argue. That's a terrible argument. Some will use that. Uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. That's a a great uh, argument to come back with because that shows that yeah, these. Uh, you want to get into dating here? You know, let's let's look at this. But uh, the New Testament can d- be dated back to the mid-first century. Some people will say, "Well, no, it wasn't really discovered until somewhere around the fifth century, and the Bible finally came together. People just, you know, just put." letters and pieces together and whatever it is and that's how it evolved and anyway uh, of course we know we have something like 5,000 New Testament manuscripts which date from the second century the 100's and we even have like uh, little bits and pieces of John or, or Mark that goes back to the very first century the century that the apostles were in um, very, very incredible. And then, of course, Jesus made a prediction of 70 A.D. About 40 years later after He predicted it, um, you had the fall of Jerusalem. And everybody, anybody that knows about history uh, would concede that. I mean, that's a historical aspect. Um, and that happened within the, the time of the generation, the audience that He was speaking to. That was within their generation. Um, it's interesting that most of the Bible was written by 70 A.D. You have Revelation, which was written in probably somewhere around 95 A.D. But most of it was written before 70 A.D. Uh, and, and so it was within that, that time period. It wasn't hundreds of years later where they started to bring into account. Um, anyway, um, you can think of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Name one after another after another. Uh, and of course Jesus, and of course His, whether it be His birth, whether it be His death, His resurrection, His burial, all of that are in there uh, many, many times. There are over 300 prophecies there. Uh, nations, how they were going to be uh, conquered and who would conquer them. We go back, we look at history and that's what happened. Uh, so, um, there is not, and I've heard this, some people would deny that Jesus Christ ever existed. That's intellectual suicide. Because there is not one credible professor of history that would ever deny that Jesus Christ existed. That would, that would be just, just false. And of course... Josephus was uh, a Jewish historian. We know about that. There was Tacitus, who was a Roman historian during this time. And then also in the Talmud, which was written by the Jews who did not become Christians, they even spoke of Jesus. I'll even, I'll even read this one of Tacitus. It's out of the Jewish, uh, not Tacitus, but from the Jewish Talmud. Now, he, he makes some false statements in here, but he, he's, he mentions Jesus here. Jesus was born out of wedlock, 
to his mother, Miriam, and her lover, Pantera. She is said to have been the descendant of princes and rulers and to have played the harlot with a carpenter. You see some false things, but you see some things interesting here. Jesus spent time in Egypt. Well, I guess he went down there as a, uh, a baby, right? An infant. Uh, from where he learned magic. He was a magician who deceived and led Israel astray. He mocked at the words of the wise, was tainted with heresy, and was thus excommunicated by the Sanhedrin. He called himself God, also the Son of Man, and he said that he would go up to heaven. Some statements true, some lies, but they're talking, Jesus existed. Uh, that's from the Jews who deny Jesus you know, being the Messiah. That's come from people who would know. Uh, and that was written during uh, that time. So, um, they can't use that. And I've heard that. That's unbelievable how people say, well, how do, we don't even know He existed. Even those that hate Him show yeah. that He exists. <laughs> Matter of fact, there are some statements where some say Josephus even said that uh, Jesus uh, was crucified and arose. Some people may debate on that, but um, there are statements about that and then statements about Christians who believed in Jesus. So, he existed. Uh, the Bible existed long before He came around. Um, just showing some things here of showing that uh, we have evidence, don't we? Do they think it's just a big lie passed down through the centuries? Right. We don't know those people. They're only in this book. Right. <laughs> it only says that, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, then that's the 500. And then, of course, you mentioned then, well, okay, you know, you Peter and John and, and the Marys and then the rest of the apostles, you know, we can give them names, but, well, that doesn't count because they, you know, they claim to follow yeah, him. So they're not good witnesses because they knew him too well, right? But we would certainly bring in a witness who knew somebody really well into court, wouldn't we? That's where you go for looking for evidence. You know, the people that knew the criminal. Have you heard the argument of the gospel or this, you know, this Messiah slash Savior archetype being uh, a borrowed? Concept of our team and from different mythologies, different uh, cultures, stories. You know, you've you've heard those. Before. Yeah, that's a good one. That's. Um, but he's saying that the, that they borrowed Christianity from them. Right. right. Yeah. Versa. It developed out of all the other stories. Right. So it's it's no different than what they have. Right. Have you? I'm sure you've had that before, haven't you? Yeah. That's a little difficult to work with there. It is, yeah. <laughs> but we watched we watched a movie that we rented from the library and it was, you know, an anti God movie, but our dad for some reason wanted to watch it. <laughs> what was it called? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. It was like some documentary thing. How did they handle it in the movie? Uh, Do you remember? They go they go over all the different mythologies. They say, see, this is where they got this, this is where they got this. I can't remember all the specifics, but, you know, 
Like would the flood be one? Because a lot of other nations no, have that I'm story about of like Jesus, just the person, just Jesus, Jesus himself, and okay. that story, the gospel. They, they, I think it was a specific movie trying to discredit God, but and then they spent a good amount of time on the person of Jesus. That's what's being taught in the universities that Christianity was borrowed from the the different mythology stories, right? They said like the Gilgamesh epic came from like, the story of the flood, or vice versa. Vice versa. The that, flood came from the Gilgamesh. That these epic. are all stories. That's the point. They're all just stories. They're like that, myths, right, fables, that, legends. That people told each other to help explain what now science today can explain. You know that was primitive thinking, and that was stuff like that. <laughs> So I guess we um, we have to go back and say, okay, so uh, religion then is what they're saying is religion is kind of like a crutch, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, and and what they're saying is that we really don't we've gone past religion. We don't need religion today. <clears throat> then we have to go back and then talk about okay, uh, let's let's start with the cause. Do you believe in a cause? Mm-hmm. Uh, What's so wrong about a crutch? Well, I mean, if you got a broken leg, that, that's great. That, that's that's true because it's going to help you. And you know, broken soul, Christ is great. Right, we're all broken. That's, that's how they explain, or that's how they believe it was all made up because you, just, you needed a crutch, so you, you took on. Because man needed, needed so much help crutch. back then when they were monkeys turning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you really go back and, and I mean, that sounds really deep, and then you start saying, "So where did you come from?" You know. So then they start looking back where.